song you just heard is Possibilities by Ki Sarah. Ki Sarah is a mother-daughter duo from Ontario, and the daughter who is singing is on the autism spectrum. You're listening to The Self-Advocate on CFRO Co-op Radio 100.5 FM on the unceded territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh peoples. With your host, Alison Klein. You can find me on Facebook at Allison Mira Klein and on Instagram and Twitter at Allison Mira. This episode is the first of 2022. Yay, we made it to 2022. And because we're still in the middle of winter, it's going to be all about snow sports. Because why not? Why shouldn't we have snow sports? And sports of any type for people with disabilities. My first guest today is Jeff Suave. He was the president of the BC Adoptive Snow Sports. Thank you so much, Jeff, for being on my show. First off, why BC Adoptive Snow Sports? Why is this so important to have adoptive snow sports for people with disabilities? Well, thank you for having me, Allison, and Happy New Year. <laughs> I really appreciate everything you're doing for advocacy and, you know, really highlighting uh, individuals' abilities. And that's what snow sports provide. It's this gravity-assisted freedom where, you know, when you get out on, on, um, on the hills and mountains across British Columbia, where we have a plethora of options to get out, then you know, the, the health and well-being benefits are, are profound for anybody. So, you know, I really start with just the benefits of getting outside and enjoying uh, snow sports for anybody. Um, of course, with BC Adaptive Snow Sports, we really focus on providing opportunities for individuals with a physical uh, and or cognitive difference to get out skiing and snowboarding uh, in British Columbia. You said about uh, the health benefits and you also mentioned gravity assisted freedom. What type of freedoms do you see that's gravity assisted that you see with the athletes? Yeah, thank you, Alison. I think a, a good starting point would um, would be to say that we really focus on safety. Um, and to do that, we have a substantial network of volunteer instructors all across the province who take our participants. So our participants are those with the physical and or cognitive difference, and our volunteer instructors are all trained. So that's important, especially when you take individuals out especially what seems to be our younger participants. And it's all about that gravity assisted freedom and going fast uh, and they all get there. But of course it, you know, it has to be a progressive uh, skill that you learn and our volunteers are trained across different modules as well. So if you say what type of gravity assisted freedom or what type of skiing or snowboarding, 
um, first and foremost would be sit skiing. Not first and foremost, that's just actually for our, um, our athletes. And if you follow the Paralympic Games at all, um, that is just such an amazing event. And we um, will take individuals out uh, in, sit, in a sit ski, then our volunteers are trained to do that. But as you would imagine, taking a sit skier out is very different than taking out someone who's visually impaired. That would be a different course that you would need to be trained in. And similar with, you know, if someone's on the autism spectrum disorder and getting them out, um, just meeting the participant wherever they are at so that they can get out there and not have any barriers to getting outside and getting on our hills and mountains to um, do what really is, you know, an awesome sport. That's what I've been seeing as well. And I was able to watch a film in, I want to say, October. It was a horror film, but in the end of the the film, the protagonist, who was blind, had learned how to ski down the hill while blind with having a guide in front of them telling them how to do the skiing, which was really interesting to watch because you'd never think about that beforehand. Do you provide that type of equipment for people to be able to adapt depending on their disability? Yeah, we do. And that's a really great point, Allison. A big mission of ours is to knock down any barriers to taking part in um, adaptive snow sports. And the biggest, one of the biggest barriers um, is equipment, adaptive equipment. So we were talking earlier about a sit skier, those, you know, a custom sit ski or something that will fit for where you're at and your your ski skiing ability and also you know your how old you are how um whether you need one ski or what they call mono skis those will be six to eight thousand dollars so we need to find a way when we have participants who need a sit ski to fund those um and we do that through a network of clubs we have 14 different clubs across the province and we collaborate with um different funders such as BC Rehab. We collaborate with um, our partner clubs and other donors and sponsors to be able to provide that equipment. If we're talking specifically to VI athletes, well, they need a headset. They don't need it, but it's definitely, especially as they progress um, up in level, they are going very quickly. And that communication between the guide and the athlete is so important. So they do that through a headset. And that's exactly the type of equipment that you know we will look to fund and provide for our participants. That sounds so expensive. Kids, six to $8,000. Yeah, is- no, it, it is expensive. And it's, you know, I know you are, are, are such a strong advocate. Um, it, a, lot of, a lot of adaptive equipment, be it vehicles, the sports equipment is disproportionately expensive. And, you know, as I've had the honor of working in this um, uh, disability sport space, I've become a lot more alive to, you know, barriers that 
that you don't necessarily think about right away. And a lot of it has to do with expense. So the, our staff and our board and our member clubs have put a really strong concerted effort to say, you know what, we need to have an annual equipment fund. We need to determine what is the need across the province and then hustle to try and fill that need. But, you know, that's a challenge. That, that challenge is why we exist. Um, and that's what, you know, motivates uh, organizations such as BC Adaptive Snow Sports and the volunteers who, who run it. I was just thinking, like, being still being on the expense, why the government, and I'm being a little political here, why the government doesn't step in and say, you know, this is a healthy activity that all people can enjoy to help fund this stuff and have a healthier society. So, and the cost is very much higher than the cost of a pair of skis or a snowboard or even to rent this stuff for someone who doesn't have a disability. So it's, there's huge disproportion right there. You also mentioned at the top, some of the health benefits. What are some of the health benefits that you see with your athletes? Well, the health benefits to me are a very individual um, experience. And so you know, if we have hundreds of participants across the province, some of them will be very competent and, you know, they'll want to be future Paralympians and they'll go out there and you'll be inspired by, by um, how amazing they are at their craft. And that's so great, especially, you know, when you're your younger child to have those role models to, to look up to. Most of our participants are like most of the skiing and snowboarding population just out there to get fresh air, to get exercise and to connect with other individuals. And I think, you know, that's so important to our, our motivation um, is that ability to connect, to be part of a community. And we really are a community and we support you uh, like you're a member of our community. Um, but also, you know, the, the uh, autonomy that comes with having the expertise, having the equipment, having someone who's knowledgeable to take you out and meet you wherever you're at. And um, we found that, that, you know, the health benefits of that are, again, highly individual, but range from, you know, physical, social, emotional, um, sometimes all three. Uh, but, you know, as I'm sure with you and, and different activities that you engage with, you you do it for different reasons. Um, but undeniably, if you can go out in a safe way and get fresh air and connect with the community of like-minded individuals, that, you know, has an array of health benefits, physical, social, and cognitive for certain. That is very true. And I have written papers in my master's degree that show this as well, that it connects all three types of health benefits, 
with just the emotional, the cognitive, because you're bonding with others, you're having to think about this and your physical body because you are getting exercise. That is a good segue for a quick break. Don't go anywhere because there will be more about winter sports on the Self Advocate on CFRO Co-op Radio 100.5 FM in Vancouver. Did you know that Vancouver Co-op Radio CFRO 100.5 FM has over 90 different shows produced by over 350 community members? This wide range of programming produced by our diverse group of programmers ensures that we have a show you'll love. We have shows on feminism, spirituality, disability rights, politics, unions, and parenting. We play jazz, indie rock, reggae, blues, and folk. We broadcast in a dozen different languages and have more First Nations programs than any other radio station in Vancouver. Find your show on Vancouver Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. All different, all the time. You're listening to The Self-Advocate on CFRO Co-op Radio 100.5 FM with your host, Alison Klein. You can find me on Facebook at Alison Mira Klein or on Twitter and Instagram at Alison Mira. So right now I'm talking about winter sports with Jeff Suave, who is the CEO of the BC Adaptive Snow Sports. We just talked about the expenses of the equipment, the health benefits of adaptive snow sports, and how cool it is just to be able to go up on the mountains and be able to ski like everyone else. So I'm going to change the tables a little bit, Jeff. What are some of the more difficult parts of adapting snow sports like skiing and snowboarding other than the, the finance? Yeah, thank you, Allison. I, the pandemic has not helped. So, you know, I actually do highlight that because we really rely on our network of clubs across the province and what the pandemic has done is really um, enabled maybe even forced us to come together as a community and there's just so much strength in in you know a community like ours whose mission is to as you said after the break just to provide everybody with that opportunity to experience snow sports so there are a couple of very defined barriers in addition to the cost of um, the equipment. And one would just be ensuring that we have those community volunteers to meet the need. So again, a big portion of what our organization does is instructor training. It's a very defined but specific um, and intricate skill that we're teaching and we need to make sure that we have a that we're able to recruit volunteers 
and B, that we're then able to train them. And depending on where you're at in the province, that can be sometimes a barrier that, you know, we have to really hustle um, to make sure that we're recruiting and replenishing uh, our volunteer base. Another um, defined area, a, a barrier rather, would be actually, you know, our events and making sure that we can host our events, which the pandemic has thwarted several of those, but actually the ability to bring our participants together at different points of the year. And that's really important to um, our participants to be able to be together, um, to spend even a weekend or five days together at a festival. We'll set up gates, they'll race, they'll have fun. It's very social and um, it's just an amazing experience for our participant and volunteers. So, um, you know, that's something that we've really missed over the last couple of years and we need to really hustle hard this year because we are able to, you know, offer those events again um, at the moment. And, you know, I will say that while we modify all of our events to suit whatever we're going through or whatever our PHO is advising, um, that we are, that skiing and snowboarding is outside and um, you're easily able to social distance for, for the large majority. So, you know, we're fortunate that it's regarded as a very safe sport. And you can see that over the last couple of years, actually, um, the ski industry has gone through a bit of a boom and that, you know, individuals are realizing that these activities are an important element of life. Um, but of course, we're talking skiing and snowboarding, and it's not inexpensive to get out on to the mountain um, for anybody. And, you know, that's, again, something that we that we look to address. It's very difficult to maintain and recruit volunteers. I've seen that with other volunteer projects as well. And COVID has really thwarted a lot of social events and social everything. I know with my own sh radio show, I have to do a lot of the work at home instead of being able to go into the station. It's really difficult and having that social time in person with everyone and going to big festivals and events must be very difficult for the athletes as well. Yeah, um, that, that's what worries us more than anything is is the, the concerns around social isolation um, in general. I think that's a fair comment when we're we're talking about those with a physical and or cognitive difference to uh, make sure that you know all of our participants are as socially connected as as we can help provide and that's all been taken away so that you know those questions of what keeps you up at night that's a big concern of our organization and um, you know we're we're ready and waiting and willing to to reconnect whenever we can but we also have to be patient and know that we're not through um, uh, through the pandemic yet, but uh, that's a big concern of ours. Hopefully this pandemic will come to an end relatively soon with any luck. One last question before the listener gets 
the contact info of BC Adaptive Snow Sports. What's one piece of advice you would give to a person with a physical and or cognitive disability who wants to start learning how to ski or snowboard? Well, great. I'm, I'm glad you asked that, Alison. We were talking about the pandemic and it's now 2022. And so let's not end on a, on a, uh, on a down note. And, and I will offer this piece of advice and it sounds fatherly because it's what I tell my children to do. Um, and what I would, would advise um, anybody who, you know, would be applicable to joining our organization is be a joiner. We exist to support you. We have an amazing network of clubs across the province. We have trained volunteers. We have programs to try and knock down any barriers that you may be facing, including financial. And you'll just be, you know, met with a, with a, by a warm community who exists to help those with a physical or cognitive difference get out skiing and snowboarding, as simple as that. And so, yeah, be, just make that first call to, uh, to join. And uh, I am very certain that you won't, uh, you won't regret it. I love that idea to be a joiner because being a joiner, the more voices, the more ability to join and meet others, we have a bigger voice. It's both sides. You have the physical cognitive and emotional health benefits but you also make the voice stronger and being able to join a movement like adaptive snow sports is huge how can the listener find bc adaptive snow sports you can go the easiest way is to go to bcadaptive.com Go to about and you'll find all of our contact information there. Um, our website's accessible and you can adjust it as needed to suit your needs. And if you um, want to jot this down, the, the easiest way and most um, catch all email you'll, you'll hear is the, our info. So info at bcadaptive.com send an email check out our website it's a website be a joiner and know that we exist to uh, provide this opportunity and um, there's a great community waiting for you thank you so much jeff for taking your time to talk with me today it's my pleasure allison thank you for everything you're doing around advocacy and um it was, it was really nice to chat with you today. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Don't go anywhere because there will be more about winter sports on the self-advocate on CFRO Co-op Radio 100.5 FM in Vancouver. Vancouver Co-op Radio CFRO 100.5 FM. An idea worth stealing. Vancouver's original community radio station since 1975. Vancouver Cooperative Radio, CFRO, 100.5 FM. Homemade, not store-bought. You're listening to CFRO Co-op Radio, 
100.5 FM and The Self-Advocate with your host, Allison Klein. This is my first episode of 2022. Yay, we made it to 2022. And we are talking about snow sports. How fitting because how cold it has been and we're in the middle of winter and how much snow we've had in Vancouver, how much snow, much more snow we'll have soon from the weather forecast. So I'm going to talk with James Peters and Anne Bethune of the Vancouver Adaptive Snow Sports. Thank you so much, both James and Anne, for being on my show. First off, why is this so important? Why is having adaptive snow sports and the Vancouver adaptive snow sports so important? Well, first, I would like to first, I'd like to just congratulate you on getting Anne's name right, because even my iPhone says Anne Betune, and I'm like, that's not right. So, well done. You're doing you're doing great. Um, With Vancouver Adaptive Snow Sports, I mean, it's really simple. We are just trying to create an opportunity to make the mountains accessible for everybody. And uh, the story goes many years ago, I think we're 48 now. Are we 48? It's getting 48, 49. It's amazing. Um, You know, there was a a recognition that there was a gap in our society where um, people at the time, especially focused on physical disabilities, really had no great access to going and enjoying the ski mountains that so many people do enjoy uh, when they live in the Vancouver lower mainland area. So uh, a small group of people got together and started doing something about it. And now 48 years later, we are about 500 volunteers this year and uh, not only servicing people that come to us, but also uh, collaborating with the mountains and working with school programs, um, doing training for for their instructors to, to make everything more accessible. And it's just become this incredible lovely community piece that helps lots of people, uh, but really stays true to the focus of just making the mountains accessible for everybody. And where we've seen the switch, especially in the last decade, is now a much bigger focus on working with athletes with uh, cognitive uh, impairment and looking at how we can help them learn and interpret the environment in ways that make sense for them. So everybody can really come and play, which is really the goal. You mentioned cognitive impairment, the switch from the last 10 years to teaching people with cognitive disabilities and cognitive impairments, Mm -hmm. Deems. What was the push for that switch? Well, I think all the programs across Canada um, were starting just to see a bigger intake in clientele um, that weren't just physical disabilities. And we're lucky enough to be involved with uh, CADS, which is Canadian Adaptive Snow Sports, um, that creates all of our training content for us. And they recognized the gap and uh, started to develop some content. And once they did that, uh, people like Anne and I that are national trainers for the country uh, could go out and start working with instructors and just giving more and more knowledge. And it's kind of cart before the horse. You start training everybody, everybody shows up. And all of a sudden, uh, most clubs are now somewhere between 60 and 70% clientele that are much more on the cognitive side uh, than the physical uh, side of disability. It's interesting that that switch, how now is more uh, now 60 to 70% cognitive instead of physical. How do you teach people with cognitive disabilities and or physical disabilities how to ski? 
Yeah, well, we do in ski and snowboard, uh, which is amazing, and lots of other things that slide on snow. Um, but I, you know what? I think you just approach it like any ski or snowboard lesson until you find a gap. And if the gap is maybe that uh, words aren't a great way to communicate, then we come up with some strategies to maybe use pictures or video or lots of good demonstrations. Um, but we just start by teaching the same ski snowboard lesson that all the other ski schools do. Uh, we just are very good at adapting quickly and, uh, and problem solving exactly what someone's specific needs are. Um, I think in the physical realm of disability, a lot of things are very similar. So if somebody has an amputation on their leg, we know lots of strategies to help learn and teach them how to ski on one ski. But when we look at the cognitive side of disability, it is such a huge, vast equation and every person is just a unique individual. So we really focus on that uh, and have developed a very strong system in um, getting to know our clients and find out exactly what has been successful for them in the past and other things that they've tried to learn, whether they are uh, physical activities or schoolwork or whatever it is. And we take all the knowledge that we can and then we put it into the puzzle and try and uh, figure out how we can help them figure out how to be safe on the mountain, how to have a lot of fun on the mountain, and then maybe learn how to ski and snowboard. That sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> Always. <laughs> how did both of you guys get involved in the Vancouver Adaptive Snow Sports? Well, I'll start with you, Anne. Sure, I'll jump in here. Um, my background is in occupational therapy, and I taught adaptive sailing in Toronto before I moved out west. And I've always been a ski instructor. So when I moved west, uh, it was a natural for me to get involved in the adaptive sailing and skiing program. I now am not involved in the sailing program, but absolutely um, stuck with it over, I can't believe it's been like 35 years now that I've been involved in bass. I, I just can't believe how time flies. And I've raised three boys throughout my involvement, haven't really skipped a beat too much throughout um, the 35 years, but in the last certainly uh, 15 years, um, really ramped up um, my involvement. You know, when you've been around that long and you go to the bathroom during an AGM, eventually you become president of the organization. <laughs> and I've seen the organization evolve. I mean, you can relate because you're involved in a nonprofit with volunteers from, you know, five of us around a dining room table and uh, a bottle of wine and, um, you know, a, a few dozen uh, volunteers to now you know, we have James, who's our executive director and our fabulous paid um, staff who has just really helped us take the organization to another level um, with hundreds of volunteers and students and thousands of lessons that we're putting through. You know, 10 years ago, we got a yurt, <clears throat> excuse me, on uh, the top of Grouse Mountain and we're not in, you know, a closet underneath um, <laughs> uh, storage area, um, which we, we have been before. And we were even in a bathroom, an old bathroom before that. So um, it's been, I guess, one of my greatest joys to see the organization evolve and grow and change and, you know, change to the needs of what's out there. We touched on, you know, the needs of our, our uh, cognitive um, community. And, you know, I've seen that change and James described it really beautifully as well, but I've seen that evolution. And we just found that we had so many students with multi-disabilities coming through the door as well. 
over the years, but our, our training didn't reflect that. So it was kind of a call from, hey, we need to make some change in our training. And as James said, our national organization listened and here we are, you know, and good news spreads like wildfire in those families of those kids with autism, for example. So um, it's been really fun to see the change and, you know, um, you know, I'm st I will never stop being involved on the front line, but I sure do and enjoy how I've learned and grown as a board member. Um, and that's just one of the things that I call the vast magic, which I know we're going to talk about. But I'll let James share his background and how he got involved. I uh, answered a Craigslist ad. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even a lie. It's a real story. I, um, I was taking a break from my corporate life <clears throat> and wanted to go and do a season up in Whistler because people travel from all over the world. And I grew up, luckily, in Vancouver. And I'd never spent a whole season in Whistler. So I... Thought I would go there and uh, become a ski instructor. And I literally answered an ad in Craigslist that led me to an interview with the adaptive program up there. And uh, in the first year, I did a couple uh, certifications in skiing, snowboarding, and uh, the first certification of CADS. And then I taught for 120 days and straight. Like, I just, I just loved it. I just kept doing it every day. And the season ended and I just kept going back. So three years I did that. And then you know, got back to my corporate life and, uh, and just kept doing it on the weekends and uh, kept plucking away at it, became one of the national trainers. And then all of a sudden this opportunity appeared with Bass where I had already uh, been very familiar with and helping them do some of their training. And I uh, was good friends with Anne and uh, met the rest of the board, had some ideas and they said, yeah, let's do that. So away we go. Uh, just into my fourth year now as the executive director and uh, Despite that COVID thing, it's been a lot of fun. And uh, we've really pushed a lot of boundaries and we continue to push lots of boundaries, which is the part that I'm most excited about. So every year we run pilot projects and then uh, publish our results to the rest of uh, the CADS uh, nation across Canada. And uh, we've seen some uptake in, in people taking on some of the same things we are. And the one I'm most excited about right now is we're actually teaching entire families how to ski. So one of the gaps that we've had is that we've had lots of students come to us and they become very good at skiing with us, but they don't necessarily leave us because they don't have a good support system to, to go and enjoy the mountains without bass. So now we're inviting families, friends, neighbors. If you have somebody that you think you want to ski or snowboard with, come and we will teach you how to do it safely and uh, hopefully be able to create uh, units that can support uh, one another and just go and enjoy the mountains like everybody does in BC. So that's so funny. You found it on pigs list. Right. <laughs> well, and you never know in your life when, you know, one little thing is going to shift, uh, you know, to 15 years being the most important thing in your life. So I think I'm going to give a gratitude to Craigslist today. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, you mentioned, Dan, that it's magic. How is this magic? Oh, yeah. You're talking about my favorite topic now. <laughs> well, the vast magic, um, I don't know, I think I coined that years ago, um, I'm going to own it. And um, there was something about the Zen of vast or the vast magic that I kept seeing, you know, these little, um, little sparks of how we impact people's lives shooting out of these little interactions between an instructor and a student or an instructor and instructor. And whether it was a new friendship built or a little bit of confidence that, you know, changed someone's life to go for 
um, you know, a, a team in school, you know, or that, you know, kid who lives life in the wheelchair and went skiing on the weekend to come back and say, hey, I went skiing. I mean, there's just, there's just some magic in that, um, how it was changing lives and enriching families, as James said, that they're off having, you know, quality experiences. And um, the vast magic is just something that um, I'm, I'm trying to find a really good definition in my mind of what the vast magic is, but it means so many things and you have to feel it. It's just something that you have to feel on the mountain and how vast really truly does change lives. And my background, I, I can't remember if I mentioned, is in occupational therapy, and which is part of why I got involved in VAS. And, and I've always had a mission to make a difference in people's lives and um, support people through activity. That's really what occupational therapy is all about. So I really feel VAS is so aligned. And it's skiing and snowboarding and the mountain is just our medium, really, that we're using. Um, but when you can give somebody the, the thrills and skills on the mountain and then have it impact their life at home through self-confidence or maybe they're getting physically stronger or practicing some cognitive skills that maybe their OT is working on with them. It's just, um, the, that's where the magic happens. So there's so many things that we call the vast magic. And um, you know, James might wanna say in his word what the va vast magic is all about, but um, that's why we're here. It's the community, the people, the relationships, and the making a difference in people's lives. And on that note of talking about the vast magic, let's go for a quick break. Don't go anywhere. Vancouver Co-op Radio 100.5 FM is political. Co-op Radio is poetry. Co-op Radio is tango. Co-op Radio is gay. Ecology. Comedy. Feminism. Philosophy. Yoga, reggae, bicycles, trade unions, gospel, live, local, Asian, African. Vancouver Co-op Radio is community. Your community. Vancouver Co-op Radio. CFRO. 100.5 FM. All different. All the time. You're listening to The Self-Advocate on CFRO Co-op Radio 100.5 FM with your host, Alison Klein. You can find me on Facebook at Alison Mira Klein or on Twitter and Instagram at Alison Mira. So right now we're talking about snow sports with the Vancouver Adaptive Snow Sport with James Peters and Anne Bethune. So we talked about the vast magic and how amazing it is. What are some of the hardships that both of you have seen since joining VAS? That's a, that's a tough question. What are some of the hardships? <laughs> I, so... I think it's pretty easy for me is that I never feel like we quite do enough ever. And, you know, when you look at the population of uh, the lower mainland, somewhere around 2.5 million people, um, we know that through studies, you know, between 10 and 12% of the people identify as having some sort of a disability and could easily come and use our program. So when you start to look at those numbers, 
And, you know, in a given season, we might only help like 350 people. Um, I know there's a bigger need. I know there's a huge need out there. And um, with the size that we are right now, I think that we're almost maxed out at what our real ability to help people is, which is, which is why we're creating some new programs and starting to think about um, how to really create more momentum without using VAS uh, by getting more families trained and, you know, empowering the mountains to have more instructors that are trained and just being able to reach out in more and more directions. But that's always the thing at the end of the year. Like I go like, if I could have just helped like, you know, one or two more people, that would have been awesome. Um, which sounds really kind of trite, but it's, you know, it's where my heart is. You know, the more people that I can help and empower to go out and just enjoy what we have. I mean, we choose to live in this beautiful place to go play in this beautiful place. Um, you know, to know that there's maybe, you know, a child that got left off the bus because somebody couldn't figure out how to help them be safe up on the mountain makes me a little sad. Um, so we are always, always working to, you know, get more people empowered, get more people trained. And, uh, and it's great. You know, we're actually doing a new program this year with uh, BC Deaf Sport, which is amazing. Not an area we've really, you know, expanded into before. And we have 20 students coming this year with a handful of people um, that can help us interpret what's going on. And I have a group of instructors that even just last night um, spent 45 minutes with me learning how to alphabet uh, ASL sign language. Um, alphabet so that we can do really basic communication but you know we will just keep pushing and growing as fast as we can and getting more and more people involved so that uh, maybe one day it's it's totally open to everybody to just come and play which would be amazing yeah I'll add to James answer too um, I look over the years and historically getting equipment you know our sit skis can be Five now to thirty thousand dollars, right, James? Yeah. For a sit scheme, that's a lot of uh, money and funding to raise. So we've got more infrastructure in place, um, and and we've realized now what works for our funding. So so it's not that it's it's not something we work at. We work very hard at it, but we've got better systems in place than we did, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago to help fund these sorts of things. Where our real stopgap is that James kind of identified is, you know, increasing our numbers on the mountain of our students. It breaks my heart, just the way James talked about that kid who doesn't get on the school bus. I imagine a kid waiting by the phone, you know, for that call. Um, I know we probably would email him now, but <laughs> I imagine, you know, waiting for a call. Did, did I get off the wait list? Right. We have wait lists for our, our programs, and that just breaks my heart that we, we have to turn people away. And where's the stock gap? It's really in developing leadership and in the ability to train people up to be safe and have you know, safety, fun and learning on the mountain. Right. So we can't put uh, as, as many um, volunteer instructors through as we would love to. And it all just, you know, trickles up to leadership. So that's something we spend a lot of time doing is both James and I are, are um, um, certified trainers for our CADS courses. And we spend a lot of time and energy bringing up leaders to continue, you know, the energy by um, running courses and providing mentorship on the Hill. So, you know, it takes years to grow um an instructor who who can really train other instructors and then to have them leave or move it's just really really tough so 
I would say that James, wouldn't you agree that that's one of our big challenges and it's, you know, the competency that we need to be safe out there. Yeah, well, uh, to give you an idea, so this year, our group of uh, course conductors will put through almost 100 brand new certified people uh, over a three and a half day program, which is amazing. Um, and, and there are 100 people I have on a wait list that would happily do it if I could find them a spot. And, you know, that, that is our maximum capacity this year with how many people we have uh, certified as course conductors. So I will shamelessly plug if there are any, uh, you know, CSIA or CASI course conductors out there that would like to come to the good side instead of the dark side. That's all bad. They're all great sides. Um, but if there's anybody out there that, you know, used to be in the ski industry or snowboard industry and uh, has some passion uh, about the sport still and would like to come and uh, learn how to conduct courses and be part of our leadership team, I would love to meet you. In fact, we could even go on a ski meeting if you want. I'm good with that. I'm we can talk on the chairlifts. We'll meet on the high, with the high chair. Yeah. <laughs> so now you're right. Always looking for uh, more leadership is amazing. Um, and we actually we actually have a, a couple of new course conductors this year. So we keep pushing that envelope and uh, always, always a big challenge. It is always a challenge to find the leadership in any nonprofit. One more question before giving the contact info for the listener of VAS. What's one piece of advice either of you would give to a person with a disability, either cognitive or physical, who wants to start learning how to ski or wants to become an instructor? A great question. James, you go first. Well, um, I, I will, I'll give the same answer for all the groups. Um, just go, just go do it. Just go to our website, sign up, find out, come to a meeting, call me, call Anne, get a little more information and then just go do it. Like, it, you know, all, our priorities are very simple. Keep everybody safe, have a lot of fun. And then we do some learning. And that's for all of our volunteers, all of our students and everything. Because if people don't come home safe, they're never coming back. And if they don't have a good time, they're not coming back. And then we'll deal with that other stuff, um, which is, you know, the, the art of skiing and snowboarding or, or whatever that is. Um, but just go, just call us, come do it. Yes. Yes. It's very simple. Yes. <laughs> That's James's word. Yes. And ish. <laughs> um, great answer, James. And I'm going to say that I've always had a saying that um, life is not a spectator sport, right? Life is just not a spectator sport. It's so much more fun when you get in and do it. And uh, VAS, as James said, is all about safety, fun and learning. Our instructors are highly trained to make it safe. And we have you know, steps that they go through. So nobody's gonna be put in a situation that is outside of what they're capable of doing and, and risk of um, injury. So we have a really good track record, I might add, um, with a very, very low incident rate. Um, and as far as, you know, anyone who wants to come out and volunteer, you know, I think it, I'll just say I said it, um, rather <laughs> than coining someone else, is, you know, the definition of happiness is finding something that you're good at and finding out a way that you can give it back to your community. And I really feel that that's what James and I get out of this because we have some skill and we have some passion and we found a way to give it back to this community. And you know, when, when I come off the mountain after 
course or teaching. Like I am just living life fully. I'm on a like, yes, this was just so worthwhile of how I spend my time. And we have lots of choices in how we spend our time. And if we can really make a difference in people's lives, then you can look back on your life and tick that box that you've made a difference. And that's important to me. Um, I really look at Vass as um, being this, this kind of these little sparks of light on our North Shore mountains that become one big light that make a huge difference in our local community. And I think that that's the best we can do is, is um, make a big difference in our each of our little communities in the way that we know best to do so. And I think that that's one way that Bass does make a difference in the big world. I, I just imagine it that little light spreading out to Vancouver and to BC and to Canada and <laughs> to North America. And that's how I envision this vast magic to be really, really, really significant in um, making difference in the world. So that's the way I think about it. How can the listener find VAS, the Vancouver Adaptive Snow Sports? www.vas.ca, proud Canadian company. Easiest and fastest way for sure. We've got a lot of content on YouTube. You could fire us into YouTube and see some of our training things or some of the student interactions. Um, yeah, where else? You can just call me on the phone. I know that's old school, but if you want to pick up a phone, I'm in. 604-646-VAS, 8277 at the end. Um, give me a call. Happy to chat your ear off. Absolutely. Thank you, both of you, James and Anne talking with me today about VAS and that magic and being able to do the skiing and snowboarding and being part of a larger community. You just listened to The Self-Advocate on CFRO Co-op Radio 100.5 FM with your host, Allison Klein. You can find me on Facebook at Allison Mira Klein and on Twitter and Instagram at Allison Mira. If you missed any part of this show or want to listen to it again, you can find it on anchor.fm forward slash Allison Klein or wherever you find your podcasts. To end out this show, let's play Better Miracle by Kiprios. Kiprios is a Vancouver-based rapper. Even though he doesn't have a disability, the song Better Miracle talks about having a better tomorrow, but not a miracle. Enjoy more programming, everyone. Today, my window, the sun came through. Today was the day I thought I'd look to. My window felt the pain that I knew. The sun heard about it when he came to, came through. Good looking out, I needed you. Today was the day that didn't need rain. My window looked to me to make a change. The sun rising to the occasion, came through. Good looking out, I needed you. Oh, oh. I know. 
to myself I'm gonna be okay Remember, back then I've come a long way The dream may never ever be the same But came true Get here with you and that'll do I know, the road I'm on is not an easy way Remember, that I will define the path I take The dream, yeah I'm a dreamer What can I say, came true Get here with you and that'll do I feel it's in my fingers I know it's in my soul now Don't need, I don't need a miracle Just want to get a bit better it's in my fingers, I know it's in my soul now I don't need, I don't need a miracle Just want to get a little better oh, oh. I'm not asking for a miracle oh, oh. Just want to get a little bit better Ain't enough, but it's alive and love. Your love is the one to get me by my life. It's never too late to get it right. Memories sit for my mind throughout the night. Love helps me cope with my life and love. Your love is the one to get me by. Learn to burn it to the night Cause now is the only moment mattering in life I feel it's in my fingers I know it's in my soul Now don't need I don't need a miracle Just one 